The reading is from 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 8. One John chapter two. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Thanks, Carolyn. I'm just going to get a bit closer to you guys. It feels so empty at the front here. So, good morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Andrew. And um, I'm the grandpa. I'm trying to figure out... I've had so many people in the last two days ask me, what does it feel like to be a grandparent? I have no idea, except that I've discovered that there are things that I could do to my advantage now. I feel like I have an excuse now to buy one of those recliner chairs, you know, those big ones. <laughs> and I figure that while I'm at it, I should probably get one of those ones that reclines and the, the feet go up, you know, and has a cup holder. But at the same time, just to, you know, for efficiency's sake, I'll get one of those ones that has the lift so that if I can't use my legs anymore, it lifts me forward, you know, if I have to get up. I won't have to get up often because at my age I should expect delivery. So <laughs> I feel the same, guys. Really, I do. This is really loud, Richard. Am I extraordinarily loud? No. We're um, going to talk about discipleship today, not grandparenthood, because I have not much experience with that yet. So um, we, if you were at the um, if you were at the prayer and share meeting. Meeting um, a week and a few days ago, um, and if you've been listening, we've been church council and and, and the leadership's been talking about um, discipleship. Basically, we've been talking about the, the journey that we've been on, um, discovering the um, why we exist, what is our purpose for a church, and even as we were preaching through some of the New Testament at the end of the last year, we were moving uh, moving around in that area. And discovering our church's purpose and, and figuring out how do we move forward as a church community and as leadership, how we lead in that. And um, the, we, we figured that the, the, um, the purpose of the church is moving people in following Christ. And, and that's that whole discipleship thing. It's how we bring glory to God. We understand from the Word that, that we were created to bring glory to God. And as individuals and as a body of believers, that's what we're here for. And so how do you do that? You know, how do you bring glory to God? You, you, you do what, what God, what Jesus commanded his followers to do, you know. You move people, in, you move yourself, and you move people in following Christ. 
And as we look forward as a church, we, we're looking at, you know, so what's our identity? What's our role in discipling here in Scoresby um, with each other, with the people that are sitting around you, with the people that are in your life groups um, or in your family circles? Where do we focus our energy and our resources and, and our passion? Does what we say our purpose is, does that help us to, to focus our passions and our resources? Does it do that? And as leaders trying to realign and look at this, we realized, we sort of had a meeting a few weeks ago and, and sat down and realized, you know, discipleship starts with us. You can talk about discipleship all day. You can talk about the need for Christians to do discipleship. But it starts with us. And, and as leaders, we were saying, you know, it starts with us as leaders but it also starts with everyone who confesses Christ, every one of us who are followers of Jesus. And it's easy to say that, and we could finish the sermon here if you're, if you're keen for co- the coffee's not ready yet anyway. So, But it's, it's too easy to say that, but what does it really mean? What, what does that mean practically when I say that discipleship starts with me? Or when you say discipleship starts with me, what does it really mean? Is it a task or, or, or a thing? That we do is it one of them church things that you do? You know, Jesus talked about it a lot, and and he called his special men disciples. So it must be a special word. It must be important. Is it a thing that we do? Kind of the thing that we do that's different from the world. Is there a system we can develop? Because we like that, don't we? We like to have a bit of a system and a model. If we could do that, then that would make it easy. Is there a model that we could instigate and run as leaders? You know, should we just get this model and say, church, do this? And the answer is no. When you, when you think about it, there isn't a model. It's, there isn't a plan. There isn't a system we can develop. There's a person that we need to follow. There's a person who called us to be disciples, followers of him, so that we can disciple the world. And as, as John says in our text here, so that we can come to know him. He said, and by this we know that we've come to know him. You know, and I was pondering on those words this week. What does it mean to come to know him? It's this Jesus that calls us to be followers and calls us to be disciples. It's his dream for the body of Christ. And we're the local expression of that here. That if we surrender our lives to him and if we follow his example, be disciples. And if we teach others discipling, his kingdom will come. So discipleship isn't in a system or, or a model or a formula that we can work through. It's in a person. And that was one of the first places that I came to after we were pondering some of the stuff. It isn't in trying to figure out all that I know about discipleship. All the, the plans that I... It's in the person of Jesus Christ. It's in that sense of looking up into his eyes and saying, you know, I, I will follow you. you it's, it's you. It's about you. Because he is the model and he is what discipleship looks like. And it's interesting because I was, I was, I was casting my mind back for some years ago when, when we left to, um, um, to go to YWAM. And in YWAM you begin, in order to, to work within YWAM, you need to begin with what they call a discipleship training school. And some of you will have heard of that before. It's a six-month school. And I thought, great, you know, we were going to go and do a discipleship training school. I thought that was a really good idea. I love the idea of missions. We're going to go out and, and reach the world. And, and that was going to be awesome. And so we signed up for this discipleship training school for six months. And I knew that the first three months was what they called the lecture phase. And then the next three months was the outreach phase where we get to go on adventure. 
And the first three months, I thought I was going to learn everything about how to do it. You know, that was going to be the lecture phase. I was going to be in class and I was going to learn how to do it. And I discovered that the first three months was all about me. That with intention, the purpose of the course is to talk about my identity, the character of God. Who is this Jesus to build a disciple? And there's a good secret in there that I just remember, that I just was reminded of this week. That it starts with me. And when I build the disciple, I build discipleship. So for us too, if we're to make disciples, it follows that we first need to be disciples. Because you can't give away what you don't have. And there's literally tons of books and sermons on being a disciple and discipleship. What it takes, what it costs, what to do, how to do it. But for today, I want to look at just three really basic marks, if you like, of a disciple. Starting with ourself. And it's kind of a good place to start. I'm going to call them the three C's of being a disciple. There's only three, so I figure we can commit them to memory really easily. Um, I was going to try think up something fancy, but it didn't work. So it's just going to be the three C's, okay? First place I want to start. What better place to start than conversion? The first C is conversion. And this is a really important... It seems counterintuitive at first, but it's a really important place to start. That we don't assume or might draw any assumptions even about ourselves or skip past some of this stuff. Have you come to know Christ, as John puts it in our text? Not just have you come to know about Him. You know, you can quote scriptures, you can probably regurgitate some stuff you've, you've learned at a conference or been. But have you come to know Christ? Do I know that I need a Saviour? That I need Jesus. You know, and, and this, was, this struck me this week, and this, this is the first C that probably became most important to me, and I was sharing it with the young adults on Friday morning as well. This sense of conversion is, is this sense of, do I know that I need a saviour? Have I surrendered? Do, in my life, if I do an inventory of my life, I try to do so much in my own strength. There are lots of things in my life that I can do, and I'm guessing you're the same. That you head into life with your can-do and the way that you can do things. Even in, in, following, even in my work in, in, in the church or in following Jesus, I, I've learnt to kind of rote do things. And I was reminded this week that I can't do it by myself, that I need a saviour, that I am not my saviour. I am not the one to make my life work, that I need a saviour because I keep failing. Have I surrendered my life to Jesus? Is my life really changed? Not just, you know, baptised or, or layered over with this layer of spirituality. But have I surrendered my life to Jesus? Am I living for Him and not me, really? Have I accepted Jesus' rule in my life? Have I, have I really allowed Him to take over and decide on what my life should look like? And I thought back to Jesus and the disciples and they were fishermen and they had a routine, a regular routine. They probably got up at three or four in the morning and got out on the lake and, and fished away till they got their boats full and came in and, and they had their regular routine and they probably sat around and shot the breeze with each other for the afternoons or slept or whatever they did. Jesus came and said, follow me. And it just meant he took over. 
their whole agenda, everything about their life was totally changed because of Jesus' call to follow him. He was calling them to surrender to him. And have I done that? Have I allowed him to take over? Have I switched my values for his? Have I looked at the way that Jesus sees the world and sees me and, and sees things that are important? And have I decided the, that's the way I'm going to see the world? That's the way that I'm going to see me? That's the way that I'm going to um, channel my efforts and see the world around me? We talk about this stuff a lot, don't we, in church? That's easy to say, but is it real for me? Is that real for you? Conversion is this really rich word. I started looking up um, definitions and I went all over the place. It means change on all sorts of levels. It doesn't matter what definition you look up. You know, you can convert from your house to solar. So you're no longer dependent on coal. You're now dependent on the sun. And I don't know how that's working for you, but um, it, it seems to work all right. You can convert your house from coal to solar. You can convert your car from petrol to gas. You can say, I'm not going to use that energy source now. I'm going to use this energy source. It's a switch of energy source. It's sort of saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I do. I'm going to perform. This house is going to provide electricity. This car is going to move forward from a new energy source, no longer relying on the old one. That's a form of conversion. Converting currency. You know, those of us that travel some. You know, my Australian dollars are virtually useless in some countries. You know, Uganda shillings are useless in almost every country except Uganda. But I can convert it. I can make something useless into something useful by converting it. So there's another conversion sort of analogy. Something that's useless in its current form can be converted into something to become profitable and useful. And then you've got the old converting in religion. You know, a new order, a new set of values. Here's a dictionary. One of the dictionaries said, I like this one. This is just a summary. Conversion, something that is changed from one use, function or purpose to another. Have you been changed? Because that's what conversion is. Conversion isn't, you know, okay, I go to church now. I've done my pro-faith. I throw some money in the bag. Um, I get to life group or small group when I can. You know, I might sign up for a few things. I'll hand out flowers at Easter to the community. Conversion is so much richer than that when you start thinking about it. It's actually being changed. That's my favorite. Something that's changed from one use, function, or purpose to another. Repurposed. That's a, that's a new word nowadays, isn't it? We need to be converted by the gospel so that we can change from one function or use to another. From living from our, for ourselves and everything that comes with that, you fill that in to living for Him. And the question I had for myself, and I want to ask us this morning, have I truly converted to become a Christ follower? Am I living for the use, functional purpose that He has for me, or am I still clinging to my own ideas and my own way that I want to do things? Have I come to a place of dependence and surrender where I can actually say, you know what, I need a Savior? You know, uh, who said that? Was it, was it Peter or Paul said, wretched man that I am? You know, I think he was pretty good. He wrote a lot of the Bible. I didn't. But he said, wretched man that I am, because he knew, you know, I need a Savior. I, without Jesus, without surrender to Jesus, I am just a mess. Have I come to that place? And then here's the kicker. Not just once 
But again and again, I discovered in my reading, conversion isn't a once-over thing. It's, it's something we do again and again. It's, it's a daily process. And here we have this wonderful Reformed theology, for those of you that come from a Reformed background. You know, the Reformed theology says that we've been justified. That was once. You know, Jesus did it. He died for your sins. But it says that we're being sanctified. That's that whole, we're always being converted. We're always being changed to be more like Him. And we will be glorified because it's going somewhere. Isn't that awesome when you think of it like that? Conversion is a daily process. Every day getting to the place and saying, you know what, Jesus, I took it back for myself yesterday. You know, I said that I was converted and my new energy source, my new use, but it's mixed up. I need a saviour. A disciple is someone who has been and is being converted, changed to living for Jesus. A person who knows that they need a saviour. The mark of a disciple of Christ is conversion. The next mark that I wanted to highlight, if, I'm, if we're looking at what does it mean to be a disciple, if it starts with me, is commitment. So we've had conversion, now we've got commitment. Commitment to that saviour. To that saviour that I've just said, you know, I, 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 I need you. Commitment to a relationship with him. Um, to begin to shape my life around him. You know, the disciples, their life got shaped around what Jesus was doing, where Jesus was going, how he wanted them to, to, how he wanted them to express themselves, how he wanted the kingdom to be expressed through them. And how did they get to do that? They didn't have a Bible. They had Jesus. We have the Word. You know, how do I grow in that relationship to him we have the word we communicate through the word we don't just communicate through prayer that's important too but we grow that relationship through the word and through prayer that we get to know jesus that we get to know his character we get to know his ways we get to know how he sees the world we get to know his values and and that's where the, D the dts in ywam was was really good that's what they spent a lot of time on I understood so much more. We get to understand our identity and, and, and who we are before Jesus. So that commitment to, to getting to know Jesus, that commitment to a relationship is really important. And then the commitment to grow and develop yourself as a disciple. That whole becoming like the rabbi. You might remember a, a, some time ago where I've, I shared that story of a young Jewish boy that what his education process would be like do you remember when i shared that if you say no i'll sell it all again yes yes we did we did no um a young jewish boy when he went through his schooling system you know they they learned the first four books of the old testament is that getting clear now off by heart by the time they were six off by heart then by the time that they were they were between six and 14 they learned the rest of the old testament by heart you know if they were smart enough but during the process, some of them didn't prove to be smart enough. And in that process, they were told to go back and uh, practice the trade of their family or their father. So you go back and become a carpenter or you go back and be whatever you are, whatever your parents' trade or business is. And if you were really good, 
if you stuck with the program and you got to the point where you understood not only the whole, you didn't, you didn't only know the whole Old Testament off by heart, but you knew the, society, the way that the rabbi applied society's rules to Scripture because that's what it was run by, you would go to the rabbi and you would say, I want to be just like you. I want to be you. And the rabbi would look at you and he would sort of say, well, geez, this kid got it. You know, has this 16-year-old kid got it? Can he do this? Can he be just like me? And if he thought he could, he would say, come, follow me. And there's those words of Jesus again. But here's what they did. And here's the interesting part for us, this commitment thing. So this young boy would leave his family, leave his parents, leave the life as he knew it. He would totally uproot himself, change everything he did back to that conversion. And he would live with and stay with the rabbi. In fact, he would walk so close to him that the, it was an honor to have the dust of the rabbi over you because the rabbi's feet would kick up dust on the road when they're walking. And so he would stick so close to the rabbi because he wanted to learn to be just like the rabbi. That's commitment. And when you think of being a disciple and you think of being committed, that's what it takes, growth and development. Do you want to be just like our rabbi Jesus? Do you want to become, do you want to stay that close to him that you want to become like Jesus? So commitment to the word and relationship, commitment to growth and development, and commitment to community. I want to be a disciple. I want to be committed to the community, the place where God calls me to contribute and to grow. And for us, that's here. Whatever brought you here, you're here. Whatever made you a partner here or a member here or someone that comes and fellowships with us, you're here. And so Jesus is giving us an opportunity to commit to community. A disciple is committed to community. And there's all sorts of contexts. You know, there's small groups, there's church, there's ministry settings, there's there's all kinds of grow groups, accountability groups, serving different ministries. But the mark of a disciple is commitment. And we commit to that, to growing in that relationship with Jesus. We do that through the word, through prayer. We commit to that relationship, to that conversation. I grow in my relationship with my wife because we talk mostly. And hopefully you do as well. But you do, you know, when you, when you first started off that romantic, I'm not going to ask anyone to uh, lift their hands if they just started in a romantic. When you first start that romantic relationship, you, sp- you, got, you get a lot of effort. You spend a lot of time and effort getting to know that person and, and you know, um, tiptoeing around them and doing things that they, the way that they like. I mean, that doesn't always carry right through to all the years ahead. But, but you... Do you know what I mean? And, and so you, you, you invest in that. You, you want to get to know that person. You want to be around them. And, and it's a beautiful analogy because that's what we do with Jesus. We grow and develop and we commit to a community. So the first C was conversion. We have conversion, ongoing conversion. I need a savior. That's an attitude thing. And then we have commitment. I want to shape my life around that savior. The third C I have for today Third and final one is consistency. This is a good challenge for me, consistency. Shaping my life to be one that is consistent to what I've declared. Not consistency only on the outsides that people can see, you know, that I say Jesus enough in my sentences, that I pray, that I, you know, etc., etc. But consistency with what I've declared in my life before God as well. And that's consistent conversion. Am I willing to be converted? 
Am I willing to let Christ take me through that conversion process daily and the times that I need that? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to surrender daily? Am I willing to see this become an integral part of my walk? That I'm going to integrate this, 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 um, this surrender, that I'm going to integrate this conversion process into my day and into how I live with Jesus. And that takes willingness. Being consistent in my choices. Are my choices and the things that I do and, and the way that I live and the things that I live for, are they consistent with my declaration of surrender? You know, do I surrender on one hand and, and in the morning I get up and I, 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 I surrender to Jesus and, and, and my life is yours and you can use me, but then I switch to my, my Jekyll and Hyde personality, switches to now I'm living for me. And, and, and really the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm building in life, short term and long term, are not really consistent or in line with my declaration of surrender. I need to learn, and that's a growing process. I need to learn to be consistent in my choices. That my choices reflect to God, to Jesus, who I said I was. It could be things like time, relationships, opportunities, gifts and talents, resources. Are my choices in line with my, His design for me? And consistency in being a follower of Jesus. And this is where I need to uh, be consistent. I need to direct my life into being a follower of Jesus. What is Jesus asking me to do in my being a disciple in the world? Service, bearing fruit. Paul talks, and, and as we look at discipleship more over the next few months, we'll see things, we'll hear terminology like bearing fruit, the cost of discipleship like Pete shared this morning. But consistency in bearing fruit and in service it makes a difference in my life and in the lives of those around me. Consistency is the kind of visible part of being a disciple, isn't it? And I was thinking about that because, you know, I, <laughs> consistency is not one of my strengths all the time. And I thought, you know, consistency is that visible part of being a disciple. And scrutiny sucks, doesn't it? We don't like it. You know, everyone... How many of you feel a bit nervous about your, your annual review? Or, or, or when you know it's coming, your behaviour changes for the weeks before your annual review? Like, really? You know, because we don't like scrutiny. We don't like the idea that someone's watching what we're doing because... And you know why? Because we know we're not perfect. Consistency is a visible part of being a disciple, being held to my declaration of faith being held to what I said. You know, I think of pro-faith. I think of all the, the young people, and we're going to have, I think next week, we've got about three young guys coming up to do profession of faith. And we've had, over the last couple of years, we've had a number of profession of faiths. You know, these guys and, and these girls and guys are making a declaration of surrender. You know, and, and we all did that. Most of us did that. And consistency is living to that declaration, isn't it? And we hate this. And I wonder... I just wrote this in, in italics next to this. I wonder if this is a clue as to why we can be so half-hearted about discipleship sometimes. Because we know that this is a part of it. Consistency. But consistency isn't just for others to see. It's for me. 
I need to live in it to make it me. I need to practice it to make it me. It's the practice of being a follower. And I've talked about it before with tennis, you know. Watching the Open does not make me good at tennis. I do it every year thinking it will, but it doesn't. The only thing that makes me good at tennis is practice, practice, practice. And when I practice consistency as a disciple in my life, it becomes a more natural part of me. So consistency isn't just so that everyone sees that I'm being good for ready for my review. It's for me to become the disciple that Jesus is calling me to be. It's part of what helps me to form as a disciple. Patterns are regular. Patterns and regularity are good. Good habits and patterns do shape and change us, and that's a good thing. So, we have conversion. Initial and ongoing, I need a saviour and it keeps me dependent on him daily. We have commitment, purposing and deciding to be in a committed relationship, growing in our knowing, speaking and loving him, speaking to him and loving him. In the word, prayer, becoming like my saviour. And in consistency, shaping my life to reflect what I've declared, making choices in line with his design. Consistency in bearing fruit in my own life, in relationships, and in the kingdom. And you know, when you, I was just saying to Glenn this week, when you want to speak about discipleship, there is so much. You start reading, and the sermon gets longer and bigger and more points. And oh, you know, and you read this and think, oh, this is really important. I have to include this because it would be not complete if I didn't. And so this week, you know, we spent time just crucifying some of our things that we really felt like we should get in there. But we'll get there. There is so much more than these three C's. But when you stop and reflect on these things, I just want to do that. When you stop and reflect on conversion, am I converted? Do I know that I need a saviour? Am I being converted daily? Am I committed? Am I committed to that relationship? Have I, do I put time into getting to know and relate to Jesus? Am I consistent with my declaration of saying, I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus? When you stop and reflect on these three things, what are your thoughts? How are you doing? Think about those three simple words. I have to confess that I struggle. But I've discovered that that's okay too. That's why God has me in a body of believers. You guys get to help me. Isn't that a good idea? You guys get to help me, to challenge me, to encourage me, to point me back to Christ again and again, to show me how I can live it out. And that's discipleship, isn't it? Being and then making. It happens concurrently. You challenge and grow me in these areas, and, and I do likewise to those that I'm committed to helping to the body. I struggle with conversion. I struggle with commitment. I struggle with consistency. And that's why God, in His great wisdom, decided that I needed to be part of a body. That it wasn't good for me to be on my own and not be part of a body of Christ. And that's why He did that for you as well. And this is what the purpose of our church is, moving people in following Christ. I am here to move you in following Christ. You are here to move me and the people around you in following Christ. And it starts with ourselves. We are people. 
and then it multiplies through us. So I wonder, who needs help with this? I do, yeah. So what I want to do, I wanted you just to ponder on those three words again. Conversion, commitment, and consistency. And I want to pray for each of those three areas. I want to pray for myself in, in that as well. But what I'd like to do is I'd like you, if, if conversion, if that, oh, I need a saviour, I keep on becoming my own saviour, I need to keep on um, walking out in that conversion. If that's something that you think, you know what, that's an area I struggle and it is an area I struggle, then I want you to stand up and we're going to pray for that. And then what I'm going to do is uh, if commitment is the area that you struggle with, then I'm going to get you to stand up and the others can sit down and we're going to pray for that. But if you have both of them, you can stay standing up, however that works, and then we'll do that for the third one. So I'm going to pray for conversion. Now I'm going to pray for myself and we're going to pray for me. And I'm going to pray for anyone who wants to stand up and pray, God, I need help. I need to declare that I need a saviour. I need to surrender. If that's you, stand up now and I'm going to pray for that first. Heavenly Father, it's a privilege... Um, to be able to be in your presence. It's a privilege to, to know that we are ones that are called by you, that your uh, attention, your face, uh, your words are great, your countenance and your face is turned towards us. It's a privilege to have been called to become your disciples. It's a privilege to be able to make that decision. And Lord, for myself and those of us that are standing right now, Lord, we confess that we struggle in the area of conversion, that we often take back um, our lives for ourselves. We often think that we can save ourselves, that, that we don't need a saviour. Our life looks like we don't need a saviour, that we're not dependent and surrendered. And Lord, I confess I need conversion. I need to change I need you to convert my heart so that I begin to live out the way that you've called me to live. I pray that for each one of us standing, Lord, that, that we would be prepared to, to, um, to enact that conversion today, to say, Jesus, I surrender. I need a Savior. I belong to you. I want my source to be changed from me to you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would work that in us in Jesus' name. Amen. If commitment is an area that you think, you know what, I struggle with commitment. You know, getting into the Word, talking to Jesus regularly, uh, getting to know Him properly, becoming like the rabbi. You know, I want to be, I say I want to be like the rabbi, but huh, I want so many other things in life. If that's something that you struggle with, then I'm going to pray for that now. So God, I pray, Holy Spirit, I just pray for that uh, level of commitment. Jesus, I um, want to know you more. I want to know how you think about things. I want to know what you think of me. I want to know how to respond uh, to situations in my life that I find really challenging sometimes. I want to learn from you, but then I run off and, and do my own thing. 
Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would draw me closer to Jesus, that you would draw us, those of us that are standing, that you would draw us closer to Jesus in growing in our knowledge of and our relationship, that intimacy with our Savior. That you would build and increase that desire in me to be, be like the rabbi and to really want to take on your character, Jesus. And that, that I would be prepared to commit to being part of a community and to contribute and to allow you, Jesus, to use that community to grow me. If, there are th if there's something practical we need to do, Holy Spirit, would you just show us now? Touch the parts of our lives that, that are inconsistent in this area and help us to grow in that. Thank you, God, that you're faithful and you hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. And if consistency is your thing, if you think, you know what, um, I just struggle with consistency. I, I, I struggle with um, living out the things that I say sometimes. I, I, fall, I fall back. I, um, you know, I don't always use my resources and my time as, as well as I could. Um, bearing fruit, I, I know that I could. I know that, that, that God has so much more in me that there are so many more things that I could do. Then I want to pray for that now. So God, we, uh, we just want to pray for consistency in our lives. Lord, I stood up years and years ago and um, did my profession of faith and said that I was a follower of you, that I wanted to live my life for you, that I wanted to build your kingdom, that I wanted to be part of your work here on earth, and that I was surrendered to you, that I just declared and recognized that you as my Savior and Lord. But Lord, I confess now that my life is not always consistent. It doesn't always consistently reflect that. And so, Lord Jesus, this morning I just pray for me and for those of us that are standing, Lord, that you would show us, and real specifically, I have in my heart to pray that you would show us real practical areas of inconsistency in our life. And that might be different for all of us. But the Holy Spirit, would you just bring to our mind an area or areas that you want to touch on that are not consistent with who we say we are? And again, Father, we, we know that you're faithful. And we pray for, um, for community, for those around us, for the opportunity to be encouraged to change those areas. If we need help in those areas, if we need to talk to somebody, give us the courage to do that. If we just need to make some new and fresh decisions, God, tomorrow morning when we wake up, this afternoon, help us to live out that consistency. Help us to learn to model our life and to shape our lives around what it means to be a disciple. And Lord, for all of us, as we begin to discover what it means to, to, to live out discipleship and how it starts with us, Lord, may we be willing, or may we be found to be willing to say yes to you, to answer to the call that you have on our lives as individuals and as a church community. Would we be, Lord, give us the courage to live these things out. Give us the capacity to live these things out. But most of all, give us you, Jesus. Help us to recognize that it's you that we need. 
and it's you that changes our lives. And we praise you that you do that and that you love us. And Lord, I thank you for this body. I thank you for the believers around me. I thank you that in your wisdom, you've placed them around me and around each one of us. And we give you thanks for each one of them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And while they're doing that, um, if you would like to talk to somebody or if you would like to, to pray some more uh, about some of the things that came on your mind, there will be people after the service at each side of the hall here that would love to pray with you. If you'd like to pray about something totally different, you came here and you thought, you know, I really would like to tell somebody and pray about something or talk about something, that's fine. We would love to be able to pray with you. But can I also challenge you to do a bit of reading yourself this week. You know, if you Google discipleship or being a disciple, there is so much material. Just have a look at what in your life could change this week in being a disciple. You know, I sometimes think that I get to a place where I think, you know, I'm a granddad now. I only started thinking that yesterday. But, yeah. Oh, I could say something, but I won't. But, you know, I, I sometimes get to the place in my life where I think I've been doing this for a long time. I reckon I can rest here, you know, because I'm saved. And, you know, but I was challenged this week, no, I can't rest here. We can't. We've really got to discover what it means to be a disciple because the world is ripe for change here and, and all over the place. And we want to do that. I want to be part of that. Do you? Um, prayer after that. Uh, after the worship, after the service is closed, come for prayer or come for coffee. Uh, thanks, Di. Thank you very much. There's not much needs to be said after that except um, stand. And we're going to finish up with, um, yeah, these awesome words that Christ is enough, is our reward, is our devotion. And prayer is that they are your words as well. So sing it, go for prayer, go for coffee, have an awesome one.